morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto, and the bearable bull will be joining us later in the episode, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing new updates out of Davos, where Brad Garlinghouse is breaking down the tokenization of everything. We have a new video comparing Larry Fink's statements to Brad Garlinghouse, showing us what the future of finance is going to look like. And with the largest financial firms on the planet in the process of turning digital, we break down the details, showing our community how this next bull run is shaping up to be the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcasts, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, we got a bunch of exciting news for today, but this video I am so excited to show our listeners because this is a brand new statement that happened after our show yesterday in Davos, where Brad Garlinghouse is talking about the tokenization of everything. We're going to compare it to Larry Fink's statement. But before we do that, how you feel, my friend? Dabs, I'm doing great. I can't wait to hear what Brad had to say. But let me just say good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. We love you for showing up every single day, just like we do. Batman and Robin, here we go, baby. Let's roll. Let's rock and roll, guys. And I just want to remind people, the Bearable Bull will be joining us later in the episode. So be sure to stick around, smash that like button, and get ready for an exciting show. But we're going to start this thing off the same way we always do, by checking out the Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button for updates all throughout the day. When we look at some of our daily movers this morning, we've got Flare Token up 4% and Chainlink up about 7%. Solana is also up 2% on the day, but the rest of our hit it is red bubbles across the board, Johnny Crypto. When we check out our Merlin market update this morning, we are sitting at $1.67 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 49% dominance. Ethereum is about 18%. We've got Bitcoin trading at $42,400. Ethereum is $25,39. Solana is trading at $99. And XRP, excuse me, guys, is trading at $0.57 cents this morning. And Johnny, we already got 385 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. If you didn't catch the show yesterday, this is what we talked about. We're going to add to this conversation. So I'm just prefacing the video we're about to show here. Ripple CEO called out U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission Chair Gary Gensler for being a political liability. But that wasn't the most important part of that clip. He talked about how institutions and governments around the world are beginning to regulate these assets. And it's getting to a point where the U.S. is either going to have to adapt or completely fall behind. But I wanted to start off with this video from yesterday, Brad Garlinghouse discussing not only the tokenization of real world assets, but the tokenization of everything that's happening today. Here we go. I, I think the blockchain based solutions are, are here to stay. And uh, I think in the coming years, you'll see more and more real world use cases gaining traction. Important to be anticipating the next move. I we believe the next step going forward will be the tokenization of financial assets. And that means every stock, every bond will have its own basically QSIP. It'll be on one general ledger, every investor. I think we need to make sure that we're focused on utility. Uh, some of the things I'm sure that people in this room have heard talked about, you know, tokenization of real world assets and democratizing access to the participation in those markets, I think is very real. Uh, whether that's commercial real estate, uh, 
you know, and some are working on identity-based solutions and even, you know, voting-based solutions. I'm certainly not an expert on those things, but, and I'm sure many people by virtue of sitting in this room in Switzerland today have had the experience of sending money overseas. It is still high friction, high error rate. It's slow, it's expensive. And, you know, that's the opportunity to use these technologies to actually make it much simpler, much faster without sacrificing some of the core principles around KYC or AML or what have you. So, I think the payments opportunity remains very large. Uh, it will continue to make progress. And when I say that, I mean both Ripple and the industry at large. There's other people approaching in different, you know, some are going after consumer-based solutions. Ripple is very much focused on the enterprise uh, and the infrastructure around that. There are, I think, going to be other use cases that are profound. Uh, you know, I think the fact that there's now an ETF approved in the United States with major institutions like BlackRock leaning in is a uh, further validation. Have it, Johnny Crypto. I'm going to give my take, but let's start with you. I mean, those do those those words sound familiar? Cheaper, better, faster? <laughs> Where have you heard those before? I mean, this is no surprise. We've been telling you guys for years that that's what the blockchains provide: is cheaper, better, better, faster solutions. the The question is, when the rest of the world figures that out, that's when they'll start adopting all this stuff, and it's in the process. All of this is happening right now behind the scenes. It just takes a long time for the world to change the way the world works. That does not happen overnight. It takes a while. And um, and so you're going to see a transformational shift of the world shifting from what we call Web 2.0 to Web 3.0, where we move from trust to truth systems. And those systems are going to end up being immutable blockchain technology systems that basically link everything to who the ownership, all the ownership gets linked to who it is, who you are, what you own, and, and transferable through those links. But at least it's as Larry has talked about, it's going to be, you know, I and, and and actually so did Brad about being identifiable, identifying things from you to to the ownership of what it is. So that's gonna be a very, very interesting thing. Um, there's no question about it that you know these things are in the works and happening today. I just you know what I try to caution everybody. Is I'm in technology, been it for a long time. I know how slow it moves, and I know everybody wants it to move fast. But the reality is, it's going to move at the pace it's going to move at. And technology moves fast, but again, it's it's a it's it, this is more complex because you're trying to tie all these different systems in the world together to make it all work. So just everybody relax, be patient. It will come. It'll happen over time. Abs, it will get there for sure. And here's another update this morning. It plays into what you're saying, Johnny. This is breaking news out of Mickle. He says that Coinbase judge stated the SEC's definition of staking doesn't make any sense. And what have we said forever on this show? That regulation is coming through the courts. That's why people like Brad Garlinghouse and uh, Stephen Narayoff, we've got Coinbase CEO. All of them are speaking out against Gary Gensler right now, guys, because Gary is getting slaughtered in the courthouse. Binance, Kraken, Coinbase, Ripple, all of these lawsuits are against what, Johnny? exchanges for offering unregistered securities. Well, there's not even a way to correctly register a digital asset in the United States. Let's make that very clear, guys. It's not like a lot of these companies said, there's a process to register. We're not going to do that. There isn't a process to even register. What are you talking about? Gary says, just come on in, click on the website, submit the form. It's right there. No problem. It's right there on the website. I'm just going into the website, according to Gary. Yeah, but the facts speak for themselves, Johnny. There is no form on the website. And the form on the website is only for currencies. It's only for stock it's certificates. Stocks. It's got right. nothing to do with cryptocurrency. Right. And I learned yeah. that from Jeremy Hogan. So shout out to Jeremy Hogan. But think about this, Johnny. With this ruling coming in this morning, 
or at least the judge stating this in court. The Coinbase judge said the SEC's definition of staking doesn't make any sense. I'm going to figure out some more details, but just broadly, isn't this just another example of the SEC trying to regulate by enforcement, but going into the court of law and figuring out they're not going to be successful? This is why the SEC loves the fact that the rules aren't clear. They love that there's gray area here because if there's gray area, then they get to make the area. You understand how it works? That's it. There's no clarity. And without clarity, they get to draw the lines. And that's the problem. And they get to pick the way. This is why you'll hear people say, pick the winners and losers. That's what it means. They're able to pick. They're able to go and choose and go after who they want, what they want, when they want, because it's very, very vague. And until we get Congress to do their job and put some more clarity in it, what's going to happen is in lieu of Congress, you're going to get court rulings. And then court rulings, this is when you hear people say, you know, the laws we're legislating through the courts. That's what they mean by that is the courts decide what the rules are by interpretation of the gray areas. And then, and then he has to follow those again. That's not how our system is supposed to work. Congress is supposed to make the rules and then these agencies are supposed to enforce them. So the real question is when is Congress going to, you know, get off their butt and make the rules that, that that's what has to happen here. Abs, or we're going to continue to get regulation through the courts. And that means one guy that you didn't vote for gets to decide what the rules are. I mean, think about it, right? Is that crazy? You're on mute. It's oh, crazy. It is crazy, Johnny. And you know what's funny? As you're talking about that out loud, I start to think about this. Well, we know that you move the masses through fear. How do we move Congress? What do they need to feel? Like, what well, kind of easy. pressure? Did that's the- an easy one. Go ahead. Jingle, baby. Cha-ching. Cash flow. Donations. That's how Congress moves. And that's what you're seeing. You're seeing a faction, a pro-crypto faction, an anti-crypto faction, spreading money to the congressmen. And now the question is, which pile of money is bigger to buy enough people so we get you know more yeses than noes? I mean, that's, that's, how, that's how it works. You so often say it's WWE, Johnny. So let me ask you, before we move on to another topic here, we're going to talk about the XRP ETF and the questions that were asked yesterday. But Gary Gensler will never approve this product. And this is something we have to address during the show. One of the questions that stuck out to me before the show in the live chat was this. Do you think after the elections this winter, Gary Gensler will be replaced by the new administration? Well, his term is up in 2025. So my answer is no. I don't think they're going to force him out the door. I think they're just probably going to wait the 12 months. It's just much easier to go through the process that way. But I wanted to hear Johnny's thoughts because entering 2024, everybody's optimistic. We got the president of Ripple saying we're going from speculation into utility. BlackRock's now talking about tokenization. Bitcoin ETF has officially hit the American markets. There's all these positive narratives happening, but Gary Gensler is the quote unquote, you know, he's the, he's the guardian of the, of the real legacy money. Once Gary Gensler and the SEC give this thing the okay, the legacy money is going to flood in. And we're talking about the boomers shout out to the 65 and ups watching the show But Johnny. What do you think? Is this administration going to need to get rid of Gary Gensler at the end of 2024? Or do you think in 2025, we're going to see another heel term. We're going to get a, a ton of approvals just because of the pressure that will be put on him? You know, that's a very intriguing question. There's so many kind of different ways it can go there. Um, but I don't, you know, as I said earlier, this if you guys think Gary's making these decisions, you don't know how the system works. All right. Gary's like Pinocchio. He's a puppet. And there's somebody above, just like we all have bosses, right? And we're all told what to do. Our boss gives us direction, where we're working on, what we're doing, that kind of a thing. If you work for an employer, Gary has a boss and his boss has given him direction on how he wants this thing to go. So I have to go back to what I said two days ago. To be very consistent, there's one or two things that has to change. Either the sentiment that's driving the decision making, that's telling 
the, you know, Gary, that this is what you need to do. Either that has to change or at the top, that that whole administration needs to change. We need one of those two things to change because if they don't change, it doesn't matter who you put in Gary's seat. You could put the most pro-crypto guy in there. Everybody thought Gary was pro-crypto. Ain't going to matter. He ain't going to be pro-crypto if his bosses are telling him you can't be pro-crypto. So that's, how, that's just how you have to think about it. That's how it works. And I don't think so. Everybody who's calling for Gary and thinking when Gary's out, it's going to get better. Not, they may not. It all depends on who's who at the top is driving down the orders of what they want the agency to focus on and what they want them to, 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 uh, what agenda they want to push. Right. So, I mean, and, and listen, this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. When an administration wins, that administration gets the right to push their agenda. This is how it works, okay? So if you get a new administration in there and they're pro-crypto, then then yes, I think you're definitely going to see one of two things happen. They may leave Gary in there for the rest of his term, but Gary's going to do a WWE heel turn and he'll be pro-crypto. Or they'll be like, you know what, Gary, thank you for your service. Time to get the hell out of Dodge. They'll put a new guy in there and he'll be pro-crypto. But it's only going to be because the guy's at the top. You Johnny, know, and think know. about this too. Uh, and this is, I'm not too politically savvy. In 2016, I was still in high school. But one of the things I know from watching Gary Gensler is that he was the CFO or CTO, I can't remember, for the Hillary Clinton campaign during 2016. And that's what they called him out for. So think about this. If it is a Republican-dominated election, I think Gary Gensler is very powerful. He's very connected to the Democratic side. And maybe they do one of the first players to push him out the door. I don't know. Why don't you close this out with some thoughts? Yeah, no, I mean... The, the Democratic side is not going to push him on if you get another Democratic administrator. Don't let him finish a term. Shit, they may even renew him for a second term, or they'll reward him and put him somewhere else. You know, he wants to be the Treasury Secretary. So Yellen maybe will get a different role, and he'll take that role. Right? Gear will get rewarded. If, it, if, if a Republican administration comes in, then I think we're going to see a completely different chair. I don't even know if Gary will get promoted into – into the treasury chair that he wants this time. He'll have to wait for the next Democrat administration to win, I think. But we'll have to wait and see how that whole thing plays out. But yeah, so I think at the end of the day, it really depends. 2024 will 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 show us, I think, the direction and where we're headed, depending on what administration we end up with and how that's going to play out. And what we're going to talk about next, guys, is Ripple receiving not only 31 money transmitter licenses in 31 different U.S. states, we're going to talk about an XRP ETF and the questions that were asked at Davos yesterday. But we got 647 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And thank you for being here. The question I asked, and I want our live chat to let me know as well. Do you think an XRP ETF could ever be approved under the Gary administration at the SEC? That's the multi-billion dollar question right now, Johnny. But with that being said, here's a video from yesterday. Brad Garlinghouse discussing an XRP ETF. I think there will be other ETFs for sure. An XRP hey, one? There will be other ETFs for sure. <laughs> but but an XRP one? <laughs> <laughs> I love this game. And I think at some point, you know, there will be a new chair of the SEC. And I think uh, that will be a good thing for the American people. Uh, there were a couple of interesting things after that Bitcoin ETF uh, was approved in that statement. One, and I paraphrase here, was effectively Gary, Gary Gensler saying, just because we allowed the Bitcoin ETF, don't think we're now going to allow a bunch of other crypto assets. The second interesting thing was the price of Ether skyrocketed immediately after on hopes that they could now next be an ETH ETF. Um, what are the chances of that? I think it's a certainty. I think this be year? 
I, I, I'm not going to put a horizon on the time, but I think there will be other ETFs for sure. An XRP we, one? I, there will be other ETFs for sure. <laughs> but, but, but an XRP one? <laughs> <laughs> I love this game we play. Look, uh, I am very... That's optimistic. the last time I lost. I lost. That's, that's fine. <laughs> but look, the sad part of that reality is we have a Bitcoin ETF only because a U.S. court said to the SEC, you're being arbitrary and capricious in your, applyment of, of your applica application of the law. I'm just going to pause it right there because that's what we've been talking about for 35 minutes, Johnny. The courts are putting the SEC in line. The SEC thought it would be the other way around. They thought they were going to take Ripple and these big players into court and come out with a bunch of victories, look like a hero, and make a lot of money in the process. The complete opposite has happened, at least to this point. And I think in April, when the Ripple versus SEC case is over, that's going to be another defeat on their list. So with that being said, what stuck out to you about the XRP ETF conversation? And then we get the same response we got from Larry, a laugh and then a non-answer. You know, I think at the end of the day right now, I mean, Brad knows there is there's not a China, there ain't a, there ain't a chance he has of getting uh, this thing approved going through the Gensler administration. So, I mean, and, and second of all, it's not like he's going to be pushing for one anyway. It's it's not him that would do it. Okay. Brad's never going to, Ripple's not going to launch an, an XRP ETF. If it's going to happen, it's going to be the financial industries uh, who have done it like you know, the Black Rocks or like the, the ARK investment or grayscale. or grayscale, right? They've already, they've already included in there. So will there be an ETF with XRP in it? Absolutely. At some point in time, in my opinion, you will see some of these financial institutions, including XRP in there. Why? Because they know XRP has a huge following and they can make money off it. Let's go back to why these, these guys are in the money, why they're in business apps. It's to make money off the fees. And if XRP can draw in money, they're going to add XRP into it. And the reality is they've already done it. Grayscale already has XRP in their basket. So it's only a matter of time before that happens. Now, you talked about the IPO. That's a whole different story. Now, Rabbit, Brad had announced they were going to do an IPO, you know, two, three years ago. And then what happened was the lawsuit came out. And he said, no, we're putting that on hold. And the reality is, you know, whether, whether you know, when that comes, there is not going to be an IPO for Ripple until, first of all, the XRP case needs to get settled. That's number one. Okay, so if you don't get the settlement on that, you're not going to get an IPO. Second of all, then there has to be a need for it. You know, do they have money? They got plenty of money. They're flush with cash. Okay, but that doesn't mean that if we're not in the heart of a bull run, that you're not going to extract the value out of your company by going public and putting more cash in the bank. Don't think they wouldn't do that if they had the opportunity. We'll actually see what happens when that time. But first, you need to have the XRP case finally over. And then I think you're going to, if I'm the CEO, I'm going to be timing my IPO at the top of the bull run of the market, just like Coinbase did. That's where you're going to extract maximum dollars. If they're going to do it, that's when I would expect them to do it. Abs. And if we're going to talk about an IPO, let's just play this quick video from yesterday. This is Brad Garlinghouse discussing the troubles he's having with launching an IPO in the U.S. Keep this in mind, everybody who's listening. First of all, Coinbase was approved to go public on the New York Stock Exchange. They received an S1 approval. Then the SEC sued them just a couple of months later. So keep in mind, even if Ripple got approved to IPO, there could be a lawsuit six months down the road. And that's the last thing this company wants to deal with. We got over 702 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Here's the latest update from Brad on the potential of a Ripple IPO in the U.S. As we started this conversation, I am very optimistic about the crypto market in 2024 uh, because of those things around putting compliance first, right? making sure we focused on solving real problems for customers and not just the speculative cycle, I think will put the whole industry on a really good trajectory. 
So, you know, we have been cash flow positive the last couple of years. Uh, you know, that has been a unique place in the market and allowed us to invest not only in the core of Ripple, but also in acquisitions. And even, you know, recently you may have, we've now repurchased uh, over a billion dollars of stock from our shareholders. Uh, that's quite frankly, because it is not an immediate term priority to go public. Uh, you know, in the United States, trying to go public with a very hostile regulator that has to approve your S1 that doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. You know, Coinbase obviously had their S1 approved and now the SEC is suing them for doing things that was outlined in their S1. Now, that, as I mentioned, there's a hearing tomorrow in the US about. So let me just pause it. We're going to play the end of that clip. But think about this, Johnny. The whole reason that everyone's like, well, would Ripple IPO in the US, could it get approved? That's not even the biggest question, guys. The biggest question, I think it would get approved. I think that regardless of what happens, they would approve the S1 because they're going to make a lot of money and then they're just going to sue Ripple for offering an unregistered security or offering an illegal business model inside the US, that's the most profitable model. That's the model they used on Coinbase to extract the most value possible. Now, will it backfire? We're going to have to watch the court case. We're going to be covering every day on this show. But I do think that that's in the playbook, Johnny. I do think that the actual smartest play isn't to deny Ripple the approval, give them the approval, rake in the capital, and sue them for the gains. That's how they've done it before. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, guys, but I want to kick it to Johnny for some thought. What are you going to sue him for? That's the thing. Just, when you make the, this is the thing. Let me respond. Let me just, respond. Just sue him for being a security. But <laughs> no, I want so. What are you going to sue him for? This is what you're going to sue him for. The illegal business model. They're they're running a securities business. All of their profit from the SEC's perspective, and this is totally fake, guys. Remember this. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. The SEC makes the rules. There's no rules to say this is a security. This isn't a security. So remember that. Even if the courts rule that XRP isn't a security, well, their liquidity hub offers Bitcoin, Ethereum. I believe there's some other currencies I can't remember off the top of my head in there. So when you make the rules, you can make anything you'd like. You can say you're going too fast on the highway. You can say you're going too slow on the highway. You can say you're going the correct speed, but I don't like the color of your car if the rules aren't clear. So you tell me, Johnny, what do you think? Yeah, 100% agree with you. That's exactly right. Is at the end of the day, because there's no clarity, as I said 10 minutes earlier, they can come after you for anything they want. And that's why Brad is telling you right now, I don't see any need for an IPO. Why do you think he's saying that? Three years ago, he wanted one. Now he doesn't. Why? I'll tell you why. Because he just told you why. He said, there's a hostile guy in the SEC that I don't want to deal with. I mean, just read between the lines. He said, but he said 2024 is going to be great. And let me get, let me tell you, if you end up with a different administration and you end up with somebody in the chat, in the, in the, in the SEC, uh, that is pro crypto and not going to be anti ripple, then he's definitely, there's no question about it that he's not going to consider going for an IPO. No question about it. I mean, as a CEO, you owe it to your investors and your company to extract the maximum value out of your company of a fiscal responsibility to do so. And, you know, and so I don't see him not going public especially if all the other crypto companies are going public you're gonna have Kraken going public a circle uphold they're all gonna go public you think ripples not no they're gonna absolutely go public no question about it it's just a matter of when he's got the right person in the office at the right time that's when you'll see it happen apps with that being said, Johnny, we're going to hear the end of this clip, guys, because one of our listeners said in this very clip, Brad talks about the, that they don't even need to IPO. It's an option for them. It's not a necessity. So let's hear what he has to say, and then we'll discuss it. Here we go. S1, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me. You know, Coinbase obviously 
had their S1 approved, and now the SEC is suing them for doing things that was outlined in their S1. Now, that, as I mentioned, there's a hearing tomorrow in the U.S. about some of that, but I think it's indicative of uh, why would we want to subject ourselves to an SEC that is openly hostile to this industry? Sort of parked to the side at this point? Yeah, I mean, or are I, you I don't looking think elsewhere I, outside the U.S. for a listing? I, I mean, yes to all of those. Okay. Uh, I don't think about an IPO as an exit. I think about an IPO as a step in the journey. Uh, but honestly, a lot of people go public because they need to raise capital. Yeah. Ripple's not really in a place where we need to raise capital. And so it, it is not a short-term priority. We're obviously keeping that option open, uh, and we'll evaluate it you know, as, as time continues. And we'll evaluate it again as we have uh, new regulators sitting at the United States SEC. And I guess some of it's market dependent as well. Last year was an interesting uh, you know, space with the, in the tech world more broadly. There were a lot of second. We can pause it there for some comments because they talk about other IPOs. But, Johnny, we want to move on. We got to talk about the 31 uh, licenses that Ripple has received in the United States. But give me some comments before we close this out. Ripple IPO doesn't even look like a priority for them, but that's just my perspective. What do you think? Well, I mean, you've heard him say, you just have to read through the lines. He's told you 27 times why it's not a priority. He doesn't want to deal with an S1 with a hostile guy in the office who doesn't like him and has sued him. And he's told you many times, you just heard him say it again, we'll evaluate again when there's different regulators. What he's saying in English is when there's a new SEC chair, then we'll look at it again. And if there's somebody that's pro crypto and favorable, you will see an IPO. It will happen. Mark those words. When the time is right, when he has a favorable regulator in the office, it'll be a whole different story. He, he even said it like, yeah, we want to do it, but we don't need what he's trying to say. He's trying to justify why he's not doing it right now. We got a bad regular in the office. We don't need the money. Timing's not right. But when all those three things change, if you think he's not going to IPO when the situation is favorable, then you're just not listening to what he's saying. Not you personally. I mean, you in general. I agree with you, Johnny. And this is a little bit of information about what 2024 could look like because we heard Brad Garlinghouse talk about tokenization. We've seen a Bitcoin spot ETF launched in the USA, but these are the narratives that are yet to come to fruition. In 2024, Monica Long, the president of Ripple, predicts that crypto will break the speculative hype cycles that have defined the booms and busts for the industry since Bitcoin's invention. Before the next crypto summer, as we as an industry break the cycle by paving the foundation for real world utility at scale which entails solving compliance, usability, and integration with existing systems. The biggest breakthrough in 2024 will be pioneering compliance for decentralized finance. And the next quote, she talks about how she believes one massive U.S. company will be using crypto products in 2024. She doesn't predict which one it is, but we speculated. It could be an e-commerce company like Amazon. could be a tech company like Microsoft. It's really up for debate, but that's on the horizon. It's another massive catalyst to enter the market. Johnny, before we move on, I want to get into this content here. Uh, before you move on, I want to say one thing there. So you're right on. When Bluetooth became the leader and when that became kind of the technology that was going to be the short-term wireless communication, you know why that happened? Because one big company decided it was going to happen, and that was Apple. And they said, we're going to be using it. And everybody said, oh, Apple is using Bluetooth? Then we're using Bluetooth. Then we're using Bluetooth too. And literally that solidified it. And so exactly uh, that's what she's trying to say here is that there will probably be one big company. And man, if it's Amazon, Amazon's like the Apple of the world in this space, right? If Amazon comes out and says, hey, we're using this blockchain, you are absolutely going to see major adoption around that blockchain. So keep an eye out for 
what that who that company is and what blockchain they chose because that could be a significant driving factor. And here's another update that we're going to get straight into, guys, because I found this news to be very interesting. Ripple is solely holding payment licenses in 31 U.S. states, and the community reacted on Twitter. Well, here's what I did. I went to their website, and I found a video myself just scrolling through the licenses that they have listed. 31 states, Johnny Crypto. 31. And we're going to draw some comparisons to the money money licenses that X slash Twitter received. Because many of these states overlap. So we can have a pretty interesting conversation here. But Ripple confirms the approval in 31 U.S. states for a money transmitter license. With 31 money transmitter licenses across the U.S., it's setting the stage. Ripple's global reach extends to Singapore with the regulatory green light they received in June of 2023. Now we've got this update coming from their website. And this is something that's been circulating for quite a while, guys. So I originally found this content in November. And I'm reiterating it now because Elon Musk just received his approvals in about nine states. So I have an article breaking that down as well, Johnny. We can draw the comparison, but let me just give you the stats very briefly. So right now, X currently has money transmitter licenses in nine states, including Arizona, Arizona, Georgia, Iowa, Maryland, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, New Hampshire, and Rhode Island. And they just added South Dakota to the list as well. Well, It may be a coincidence, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, guys, but many of those states overlap with the ones that Ripple is using. And if X decides to onboard crypto products, my hope would be, and this is hope, that they use the best technology. If they're going to use crypto products, they may as well use the ones that operate correctly and operate for the cheapest costs. That's when XRP, XLM, Hedera, Algorand, those types of currencies enter the conversation. And those narratives we don't even hear about right now. You can see the top analyst at CNBC will only take you as deep as about Ethereum. They'll only take you as deep as criticizing Ripple. There is thousands of other projects and maybe several dozen that are worth addressing. So I think this type of information is something you're not going to see on the mainstream news, but it is relevant to what's happening behind the scenes. What's your initial thoughts before we draw the comparison to the money transmitter licenses, Johnny? 31 approvals in 31 states. Oh, I think it's just not the time yet to talk about it. They haven't been given the the talking heads haven't been given the rubber stamp of approval. Like, hey, go push this thing. Go draw the masses into it, right? We know how it works. So when the time is right, they'll push that. And in terms of the transmitter license, yeah, you got 31. I mean, listen, if you're going to be in the financial space and playing it, you have to go get these transmitter licenses. And we know that that's where Ripple wants to play. So there's no surprise there. And in fact, you see, you see now that, uh, you know, we know that Elon wants to create in turn Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it these days, into a payment system and so now they're out there going and getting those state regularly uh those transmitter licenses as well i mean i'm not surprised you're gonna have uh you know he's trying to turn it into a one-stop shop x uh uh twitter that is or x and one of that being like a wechat where you have the whole entire payment system solutions in there so you'll continue to see that happening as well and we'll see what kind of systems and blockchains end up running these things You know, what's interesting, too, is that some of the biggest jurisdictions in the country are left off this list, guys. So I believe it's four states in America make up about 50 percent of the population, and that is California, New York, Florida and Texas. Those four states make up about 50 percent or 48 percent of the U.S. population. Well, none of them have approved Ripple's money transmitter license. And the thing that first comes to mind, not only are these states different when it comes to politics, but I think there might just be a administrative issue in these states where it's just more difficult. I'm not too smart when it comes to the process of getting these licenses. I really haven't done the research yet, guys, but I'm sure there's a different process depending on the jurisdiction. And the fact that states like Rhode Island, South Dakota, Tennessee, 
all of these different areas are, are approving that are relatively small compared to the bigger ones. I'm just going to say it's an approval process issue. But Johnny, what do you think? What do you think is preventing the biggest states and the biggest populations from approving these licenses for both Twitter and for Ripple? I mean, they're probably more, you know, typically they're similar in process, but the bigger states could have more regulation, could be more difficult. Uh, you are right. That's that's where the chunk of the population are in those four states. So it is very possible. I'm not familiar with the process either, so I can't comment too much on it. But if I had to speculate, I would say it's probably a little more difficult to get and maybe they're saving them for last. But, you know, especially when they have the majority of them up front. Uh, they might be the more more costly ones to go get. But nonetheless, again, I'm not familiar enough with the process to say more than that, but that's my guess. Well, if you think about it this way, I don't think that we're going to hear about the most important narratives until they're coming to fruition. It's kind of like we talked about with Larry Fink yesterday. If they're telling us on CNBC that tokenization is an exciting technology, it's not only are there horses in the race, they're ready to profit. They are ready to roll behind the scenes. And we're not going to hear about it until 2026, right? Until that's we right. go up. Until we go down and they say, oh, this technology is amazing. But watch what they do and not what they say. Yep. JP, you know what? We got to go to this video. And, and this is an awesome video I want to play for our listeners because JP Morgan, this is 15 seconds here, guys. Their CEO, Jamie Dimon, is doubling down on his Bitcoin takes. And this is what's so interesting. The smartest people in the world know one thing, Johnny. You got to pick your battles and you got to pick your enemies wisely. Yep. This is a dumb hill to die on for Jamie Dimon, guys. This is one of the smartest people on the planet. And you know he's going to do a WWE heel turn at some point. But right now, he's still saying, don't talk to me about this shit called Bitcoin. Stop asking me about it. That's a Jamie Diamond. Let's hear the audio ourselves. We'll discuss it. Here we go. Dozen. Oh, that's weird. They a dozen oh. financial companies, Fidelity included. Number one, I don't care. So just please stop talking about this shit. I did see the longer two and a half minute clip, but I thought this was a better cap and cut. Yeah, it wasn't too great, obviously, but you get the point. He's saying, don't talk to me about this shit. I'm going to make $2 billion off of BlackRock, but you're telling the retail investor too much, my friend. So keep your mouth shut when I'm at this desk. And I'm only joking, but Johnny, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just comical at the end of the day. He's going to, you know, he's got the role of the WWE heel in this case where he's anti-crypto. He'll continue probably in that role for quite some time. You've already seen Larry make the flip to pro crypto. Um, but like you said, while he's anti-crypto, JP Morgan is in the middle, in the middle of the Bitcoin ETFs. You can't, it couldn't exist right now. It wouldn't work if, you know, at least the BlackRock version, without JP, without JP. Without JP Morgan, because they're in the middle. They're the uh they're they're the people that convert over into the Bitcoin. They handle the transaction process in the middle. They're the middleman in the whole process of with your, you know, for this whole entire cash creates and how we redemption, how you you buy the, the BTC and then the turning it into shares that goes to the user. JP Morgan is in the heart of the center of that. And they're gonna be profiting a shit ton off of stuff that he's saying is corrupt, incorrect illegal doesn't like it hates it but he's happy to profit off but this is what's so funny is that like i i just don't know is it just a is it just disrespect does he just not care guys this is my question because johnny says it he's gonna have to make a heel turn his company is literally setting up they're building the railways for blackrock they're building the railways for citibank yet when he talks to the public he says don't talk to me about this shit so it's really interesting like the guy should have said right there, do you know what should have happened right there? If you had real journalism, he should have said, Jamie, what are you talking about to talk this shit? 
your company is managing this shit. Your company's in the yeah. middle of shoveling this shit from one user to the next user. So can you please explain how this is shit if you guys are handling the shit and shoveling the shit? Tell me maybe maybe in this new age of the internet, and it's still guys, it's 2024. Like it's we're relatively in a new age here. Maybe Jamie Diamond just doesn't fully understand like these clips are going to go around forever. Like we still pull up clips from 2017 about Jamie Dimon, 2017 from Larry Fink. Like this is the new age of the internet. And that's why I think it's so outrageous that he's just dying on the hill of Bitcoin. Oh, is absolute credit. He has held the, 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 the heel roll. And I think he'll continue to hold the heel roll. I don't think he's going to do a flip. Not for a while still. He's going to continue to maintain. He's been maintaining it since 2017. One of my, his. Seven years later, abs. And he's still in the heel roll. And I think you're going to continue to see that, um, you know, you know, for, for quite some time. And, you know, I want to bring something up. Abs. I, I see it in the chat and I really want to bring this up because I think it's so important. Yep. People want to invest in the Onx coin because the Onx coin is the blockchain that JP Morgan, the private one that they created. There is an Onx coin out there that you Onx coin that you can actually buy in the market. And I want and good. Thank you for level playing field. Cause I've been wanting to mention this for a while. And I just saw it reminded me they're not the same coin. I see, you know, I see people in Maryland. They're like, Oh, they're buying the Onyx coin. And they think it's JP Morgan coin. I'm like, no, it's not. It's not. It is two different coins. You cannot get access to the Onyx coin guys. So be very careful. Do your research. Um, you, you cannot buy the JP Morgan coin. It is private. And that's, that's the problem with some of these blockchains apps as I think some of these going forward, will be private and we will not have access to some of these rails. They call them walled gardens for a reason, guys. You can't get in, my friends. But we got 783 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is a clip that I think many of our listeners, because we got a lot of altcoin enthusiasts in the room. Shout out to you. We're, we are a part of that community for sure. But this is a man called David Webb, who's the author of The Great Taking. He's discussing Bitcoin, guys. And, and what he's saying here is very contrary to the mainstream narrative. So let's just listen to what he has to say openly, and we'll discuss it in about 60 seconds. Here we go. Ben, you know, no payment system is allowed by this, these central, this central bank cartel. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's, thing, things like this would be attacked, attacked and destroyed. You wouldn't, you wouldn't be allowed to... Um, for example, for a long time, you could buy and sell it, and it wasn't even taxable to do that. Right. Yeah. Uh, they, they certainly, the body language is that they were the, 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 the most positive face you could put on it is they were studying it, that they just wanted to see kind of how it worked and how it was adopted. But come on, you have to understand, they do not want parallel systems mm. they do not want people to be autonomous so um it's a judgment call as to whether um it has been allowed you have to you have to watch and see uh, uh see what you think about that and i just wanted to say i just i know that's like something we say every day johnny but think about it from this perspective this thing was launched right after the financial crisis in 2008 and we've heard from people like i don't know if i can say his name but there are people in the community who we've showed on our show before who were offered 10,000 bitcoins from max kaiser back in 2010 remember this i'm talking about his his initials are a and j guys and he talks like this that's a good hint so you know who i'm talking about right johnny crypto 
Keep Alex. Going. His name is Alex. And his yeah, last yeah, yeah. We know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. thank you, thank you. So I just need the confirmation, guys, because he talked about how back in 2010, 2011, there were tech giants, the people who went out to San Francisco, were building the framework, were having these Bitcoin conversations behind the scenes. That was only two to three years after launch. And what did this man just point out? The people who control the currencies, the people who control the banking system, do not want counterparties. They do not want a system existing outside of their own. There's no benefit to that. Yet Bitcoin has received this free attack. Now, if we talk to the maximalists, they'll say you can't attack Bitcoin. The hash rate goes up. It increases the value. I know this stuff. I've read the, bit, the books on Bitcoin. Literally, I've read books on Bitcoin. And I'm just confused about how it did get this free pass in many ways. Like we're seeing Michael Saylor, his company, MicroStrategies, publicly traded company, offers Bitcoin. Like there's just a lot of nuances here. And I don't want to spend too much time on this because we're altcoin enthusiasts, guys. We do believe Bitcoin, it's got a big road ahead. But what did blockchain backer talk about? He thinks $3,000 Bitcoin is more likely than $100,000 Bitcoin. I disagree, but that could be hopium. He's a smarter man than me when it comes to the TA. I'll definitely say that. So I don't know. Let's defer to Johnny Crypto. What did you take away from, you know, his whole speech and then the nuances of it? Well, I mean, well, the funny thing is when you look at his speech and you look at the, I wish you had played the other one too, the lady we played the other day from the WEF where she was describing literally the same. If you remember what she was talking about, she literally said, oh yeah, this cryptocurrency thing, we need everybody to understand this is an asset. It's not a currency. And the reality is no, it is a currency, but they want to convert it into the thinking that it's an asset because they don't want exactly what David Webb just said. They don't want a competing system out there that you're able to play with outside of the system that's been built. And that's the threat of crypto. And that's why there's a whole anti-faction of crypto fighting it. And there's it's going to be a, this fight is not over. Anybody thinks it's over, it's not. You know, as we talked to Yusko, like you said, <laughs> the then they fight you stage will go on to 2027, 2028. We're only in the beginning of this thing, Ab. So this is nowhere near the end. This thing is what he just said. It's out there. They're observing it. They're watching it. They're seeing how people adopt it, how it's going to play out. And then they'll figure out, you know, <laughs> probably how to make sure it doesn't interfere with their system so we'll, we'll see where that goes but you know you've heard it twice now you've heard web say it and you heard the lady from the web say it but we've already known this we know we know that um the reality is at the end of the day some of these technologies will be real world solve technologies that will be out there and those are the ones that we're investing in because those are the ones we're looking for long term with potential gains on them so and here's that video that Johnny Crypto was just discussing, guys. Here's 15 seconds from the IMF managing director stating crypto is not money. It's a totally different asset class for this investable asset. Our view is that um, we have to differentiate between money and assets. When we talk about crypto, we are actually talking about an asset class. It could be backed up. And in that sense, more secure, less risky, or it could be not backed up and therefore a riskier investment. That's all we really needed to hear, guys. What did Kevin O'Leary say? The 12th sector of the economy will be blockchain and crypto products. We are seeing that narrative come to fruition at the World Economic Forum. And now the IMF managing director doubling down. These are RSWs. No, no doubt about it, Johnny Crypto. But they're the ones who control the financial system. So that's why we play them on our show. Floor is yours before we move on. Yeah, I mean, she's telling you right there. I mean, there it is. That's a right on the horse's mouth, right from the IMF telling you, hey, look, crypto is not for you to play with currency. It's only an asset that you can trade. And that's kind of it. There, there you go. I mean, I have to say it. It's, it's, you heard it right from the horse's mouth. 
that's the narrative you're going to continue to hear over and over. Abs, what did I tell you? Huh? I wrote this about two years ago now. That's what she just said. She literally just told you that. I wrote it much more simpler. You have to read through the lines to understand it. But she's literally telling you, you know, that yeah, crypto's bad. It's, you know, but as an asset, it's okay, but it's bad as currency. You can't use it. It's not backed. You heard her say, you know, it's very highly risk if it's not backed. Oh, but then she goes on to say later, if it's a CBDC, you know, if it's backed, that's a whole different story. <laughs> it's it's crazy. It's like you got to have a more creative playbook. If these people are, I guess they're just not used to anybody thinking for themselves. And that's why Jamie Dimon is so outrageous on these mainstream news. He really thinks he can just say anything because track record shows he can. So I guess I'm the one who's in the wrong when it comes to this type of stuff. But hopefully we will see a more positive change. This was another update out of BlackRock this morning is BlackRock in the last 72 hours has purchased 16,361 Bitcoin worth over 700 million for their ETF. Think about that. Only 900 Bitcoin are produced a day. Yesterday, we updated you. It was 11,500. Today, they've added another 5,800 Bitcoin to their balance sheets, Johnny. This is undeniable. People are, they're, they're concerned. Bitcoin went from 47 to 42, guys. We got a black swan on our hands. Supply and demand, baby. Watch these companies accumulate Bitcoin. Watch them keep it on their balance sheets. That's how this game works. So, Johnny, any quick statements before we go into some altcoin content? The only thing I would say, Abs, is while that's happening, you have to remember that this is just another form of centralization. If you think about it now, all the Bitcoin. <laughs> so you got four miners that make 51% of it, and now you've got you know maybe four, five, six companies that are going to end up owning all of it. That's where it gets very, very interesting. It's like it's the centralization of a decentralized system. You're watching it happening right in front of your eyes. Well, I want to give a shout out to this man because we are trying to have Anthony Scaramucci on the show at some point. So if you guys follow Scaramucci on Twitter, go comment Good Morning Crypto under one of his posts. That would be very helpful for us because we would love to have this man on the show at some point. And this is a video that came out of Davos from yesterday, guys. I'm not going to play a minute 42 seconds. We only have to listen to about the first 45 seconds of this video because he calls Gary Gensler a Bitcoin maximalist and then outlines a reliable case for why that is the current case for today, but let's listen to what he has to say. And we'll talk about it. Here we go. I, I just think what Jeremy's saying is so clear that we have politicized the regulation of businesses. And so when you do that, you slow down growth and you slow down innovation. And I talked to regulators from around the world, whether in the Middle East and Asia, uh, Europe, and they try to allow the regulatory authority to have some, political independence. It's almost like the Fed versus having somebody like Elizabeth Warren say, hey, look, I hate crypto. Don't really understand it. Gary, you want to be secretary of the treasury? Yes, I do. You now hate crypto. Yes, I do. I hate crypto because he doesn't hate crypto. Go, go watch 24 hours of his lectures at MIT. He does not hate crypto. He understands the technology. Um, I mean, I teased him on Twitter. I used to work with him at Goldman that he's a Bitcoin maximalist. If you really read what he's saying, but we have politics now interfering in the regulatory forces in the United States. And uh, listen, the, the, the country I grew up in and the country I love has been the mantle of leadership for financial services for over 100 years. Why would you want to cede that mantle of leadership as a result of politics, you know, you have people like Jeremy or Danelle living in the United States that can help innovate 
the Financial Services Society. It's coming whether you like it or not. So why not just work with them to make it happen? Here's what's really interesting about those statements, Johnny, is that when the Bitcoin ETF was approved only last week, Gary Gensler said this was not a good day for Bitcoin investors and then outlined how the centralization is happening. I found that to be interesting because I was like, oh, that's misleading from Gary. Obviously, he doesn't give a, I'm going to use a word here. Obviously, he doesn't give a shit about people investing in Bitcoin. His actions speak louder than his words. But what did Scaramucci say in this clip? He goes, listen to the courses he was teaching five years ago, eight years ago at MIT. That's how he really feels. And in those clips, he's very supportive of Bitcoin, very supportive of decentralization. But once he gets into a regulatory agency, he does a 180, Johnny. Not adding up here, guys. We got to have a discussion. But Johnny, I think you know the answer floor is yours. Well, I think Scarmucci just told you exactly how it works. He said, he, he said, oh, you want to be Treasury Secretary? Right? Okay. Well, now you are anti-crypto. You're going to hate crypto. And you do what you're told to do with it. We'll put yours. Come on, man. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a horse and trade. And, market. you know, just to, I'm going to kick it right back to you. But the reason he has to be anti-crypto, guys, is because the job of the U.S. Treasury is to keep the value of the U.S. dollar. Sustain is the word I was looking for. Sustain the value of the U.S. dollar. and Obviously, if you're very informed about this asset class, you know, crypto is not a threat to the dollar. It's a threat to the banks. But if you're Gary Gensler, if you're Janet Yellen, crypto is a threat to the dollar, guys. Like, let's have a more a broad conversation. There are people who would prefer to use assets that are appreciating as opposed to depreciating. Very, very simple. But floor is yours. I don't see it overall as a threat to the asset class, but I think that's why Gary Gensler has to be critical. of. Well, I would say it's slightly different. It's a threat to the donors of the people who are opposing. That's the way you should think about it. That, 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 that's the best way to think about it. And that's all I'll say on that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, though, you know, as, as, as Scaramucci clearly pointed out, and so has others, technology is something you can't stop. You can't stop it because technology advances the world. No matter how hard you try, it's very, very hard, especially when it's something that's already out there and being used by the world and, and it's software related. So it is not going to be one of those things that's going to go away in the short term. Uh, it's just going to be one of those things where it may be delayed. You could delay it. You could delay technology. And we've seen that that's happened here, but you're not going to stop it. It'll eventually come out. And, and it will be used out there. And, and how they end up regulating it? Well, at some point, I think we are at someday going to get regulation out of Congress that says what it is and what it isn't, how you can use it and can't use it. But that battle is happening right now. And, you know, we'll see when that when that battle ends. We'll see what this thing looks like at the end of the day. And here's another update, Johnny. Remember last week when we reported that the IRS had amended their tax writing uh, schedule and they said – the IRS, this is a brand new update, guys, just in for U.S. citizens. The IRS announces that businesses do not need to report the receipt of a $10,000 or more digital asset under the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act until procedural clarity is provided. That's huge. Let me repeat that. Until procedural clarity is provided. So they said, you don't have to report these transactions until we've set up rules of the road. I'm not saying this is good news, but it's definitely not bad news, Johnny, because I thought that this was going to be devastating for businesses trying to make their transactions in crypto. But this is pretty cool. They're actually doing something that I perceive as being correct. This is a rare case of events for the U.S. government right now, guys. They're saying they're not going to they're not going to judge people until the rules are set up. And that's what we're seeing right here. So pretty interesting. I'm keeping it lighthearted. But Johnny, on a serious note, what do you think about this amendment? 
Yeah, no, I think at the end of the day, there was always going to be some kind of amendment in terms of a certain amount of crypto. Same thing at cash, too. If you spend so much money in cash, you, you have to report it. It's like $600. It's very, very low. I'm surprised that this is so high, to be honest with you, Abs. Um, you know, at the end of the day, again, these are things they can do to slow down, you know, you know, technology. So somebody actually said here, they stopped the first EVs in 1990s. Like I said, first of all, they didn't stop EVs, right? We have them today. But did I said they can slow them down. And yes, absolutely right. They slowed them down. The reason why EVs were slowed down was the reality is the technology and the infrastructure to charge batteries back then was nowhere near the capability it was today. So it's not like they really stopped it. It just, even today, to build the infrastructure and the megawatts you would need to charge EV vehicles is so high that you're seeing EVs just, you know, they're slowing down the, the building of them. But it's because of technology infrastructures. So, you know, you, you don't want to get confused there. But the reality is, less abs, they can slow things down. They can make regulations like that that make it more difficult for it to be used. Okay, so those things can happen for sure. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what you're going to see is we're going to finally get some happy medium somewhere in the middle. If this is what it turns out being, it's not terrible. Um, in terms of the regulation, the tax piece of it, you know, like I said, cash is $600. So if it's over 10,000, that's, that's a much wider window and less constraining. But, um, but I think in terms of the technology, the blockchain is here to stay. It'll be here. It's cheaper, better, faster. It's not going anywhere. Guys, we're going to end this on a pretty interesting article here. I did a little investigative journalism last night that was unrelated to crypto. I was going down the Davos rabbit hole, the world economic forum rabbit hole, we're going to talk a little bit about carbon just to end the show on a lighthearted note. This is not too serious, guys. This is very funny. So I don't want people to log off thinking we're going to promote some stuff. What we're talking about here is that Davos' main agenda for 2024 was the climate crisis we're experiencing today. Well, global elites arrived in Davos to fix to fix the climate change crisis that we're dealing with today, and they landed over 1,500 private jets in the process. The World Economic Forum in 2022 caused a total of 9,700 tons of CO2 emissions just from their private jets alone. That's the equivalent of 350,000 cars driving for an entire week. This was due to 1,040 planes arriving at the event that year. Well, that number has increased by 400 plus planes. Private jets are not regulated in the EU, even though they are the most polluting of transportation on the planet when it comes to a passenger per kilometer. Given that 80% of the world's population has never even flown in a plane, but suffers from the consequences of the climate crisis, according to the WEF, and they're planning, uh, this is their estimates, they claim to be committed to the 1.5 degrees Celsius climate target, this annual private jet bonanza is a distasteful masterclass in hypocrisy, guys. Do these global elites genuinely care about the future of our planet, or are they using it as a mechanism for control? We all know the answer. I just thought this was kind of an interesting topic because... They, they tell us, don't pay attention to this. It's a single day. Why are you complaining about them flying private jets? Guys, you want to hear something even more shocking? 38% of these flights were less than 70 miles. People were getting in private jets to fly 70 miles or less to attend this event. And so the reason that I'm just pointing it out is they don't want me to buy a steak, but they're going to hop in a jet. It's just unbelievable. And so... You know, if nobody's going to cover this content, we at least got to do our part here, Johnny. We're not fighting it, but we're just reporting the hypocrisy. Give me some closing statements. We'll end it with some crypto news. You just got to go watch the movie, um, History Road Part 1. He says all the time, it's good to be the king, Abs. It's good to be the king. But let me address this question because this is more important than the stuff we can't control. Unfortunately, the bull had 
you know, an event, personal thing that happened and was not able to make it. So we'll try to get him back on the show later on, guys. Sometimes it happens. Life happens. So, uh, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, yeah, we control what we can control. And, and those things out of our control abs, we don't worry about them. There's nothing we can do about that. Absolutely, guys. And I just, I bring it up that way we're thinking for ourselves here because I think a lot of times people just read their statistics. I provided statistics and that's just what I wanted to say, Johnny. So I'm not trying to promote any specific narrative, but I do want to end this with crypto news. And that's what I'm going to pull up next. So why don't you just give me a second? I'm going to pull up something in the background. We talked about Bitcoin ETFs and Solana. Well, let's figure out the Google and HBAR news. And this is what I'm going to Google right now. Google and HBAR working together. Hedera Hashgraph and iCloud. Another update, guys. Hedera Hashgraph is working with Google Cloud Services. We also covered earlier this week that Flare Networks is also working with Google Cloud Services. And I put out a great thread. I put it in a, a folder last night that I'm going to tweet out tomorrow before the episode. We're going to be showing you what the Flare partnership really means. Why is it an advantage for FLR token holders? That's what I'm most interested in. But Johnny, it is hard to keep my focus when that cat is on the screen. That is so funny. <laughs> What, um, give me some thoughts. We'll close out the show. And we got 735 people here. I apologize for the, uh, we did have bearable bull scheduled. Like you said, he had a personal conflict. He messaged us during the show. That's totally okay, guys. We'll schedule him for another day, maybe even later in this week. And we'll do it again. But Johnny, why don't you just close us out? Hedera, Google cloud, Flare, Google cloud. Are these some of the winners who just haven't come to fruition yet? Yeah, I think Hedera has, you know, their, their speeds, their TPS is ridiculously super fast abs. They certainly have a technology there that I, I think you will see adoption happening with the fact that working with Google cloud, I mean, Google cloud is one of the, the top premier, you know, one of the three uh, cloud services out there. So, you know, having that partnership with them certainly um, is going to be helpful in, in terms of being able to create that. Um, uh, what do you call it? The, the, you know, the, the lead, leading to adoption. So, um, but yeah, sorry, you know, I, I love tigers and this cat looks like a tiger. This is my little baby. This is my little baby tiger right here. Uh, absolutely. After once in a while, she sneaks in the room here and, and I can't get her out or whether I'll be off the air, but nonetheless, um, you know, yeah, I like Hedera. It's one of those that I always tell people, you've got to have some horses in the race. And for me, Hedera is definitely one of those that I'm making sure is in my, in my stable uh, as I think about the, the, the technologies that I want to be looking at going forward. And let me just say something about where we are in the market today. I think for the first time ever, we got 800 people here, guys. Think about this. There's only 800 people here on a show where we cover crypto content every day. I bet if you zoomed out two and a half, three years, there's going to be thousands of people here. And that just speaks to what happened to the market, not even about our show in particular. Over these next three, four, five years, we're going to see the amount of crypto investors in the United States Go from 5% to 25% to 50% to 65%. I genuinely believe this. And it's going to become, it's all going to come through what the institutions are offering in their 401ks and retirement baskets. These ETFs allow for retirement products to get access to crypto technologies. That's a mic drop moment right there. And I haven't heard too many people talk about this, Johnny. If there was a Bitcoin ETF, an XRP ETF launched, that means that people like um, people like who are in corporate America, like our family members, would be able to get access to crypto without ever even knowing about it. JP Morgan, Citibank, whoever is managing their portfolio will say, we've got a basket of cryptos. We're going to put 1% of your total portfolio allocation in here. And look at this. The average return rate is over 17% per year. So it's mm -hmm. amazing for everybody, right? And like I've been in the bank and I've seen those pitches. It's very interesting. 
That's why we always talk about having an exit plan. And I'm so sorry. I just realized we only got 10 seconds left in the show, guys. I want to say a special thank you to Johnny Crypto. If you don't have an exit plan, check out the application we're showing right now. It is the first link in our video. You get 30 days absolutely free. You can figure out your taxes, your profits and losses. It's an amazing tool to use, but we love you guys. I want to give a special thank you to Johnny Crypto. Special thank you to Tiger and a shout out to the Bearable Bull. We love you guys. We'll see you in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, Ah!